with possibly heavy downpours, tapering off as we go to the evening and overnight hours. Going to be a muggy night after a rain-cooled spot of 2 to overnight lows of 60s and the possibility of a patch of morning fog. Through the day tomorrow, late morning, midday, afternoon storms, they have the potential to dump heavy rains in a short period of time. 80s tomorrow, widely scattered storms, showers, more sunshine, more heat. Thursday and Friday, 80s to 90. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Here are some things you need to know if you're asked to evacuate due to an emergency. Establish a personal emergency fund. A few extra dollars could help cover a hotel or gas cost if you're forced to leave. If you need assistance for you or your pets to evacuate, find out what resources your local emergency managers have to offer. Develop an evacuation plan now. Determine where you'd go and how to get there. Have a go kit with emergency supplies and copies of important paperwork. Keep your phones charged and warm. is the cloudy voice of your local announcer, Tom Fitzmorris. Ready? Food with you or anybody else entertaining enough to entertain. Call us. Our telephone number is 556-969. What's the last one? Six. (laughs) And uh, here we are again. I will repeat my name. Tom Fitzmorris. Thomas, Gerard, Joseph, Chilson, Phineas, Nathaniel Fitzmorris, if you will. He's not kidding, by the way. I'm not kidding. <laughs> when did you do that, Tom? I'm Marianne, by the way. Hi, on the new food show here. I was 14. 14. Mm-hmm. And what prompted you to do that, Tom? I, a book that I read <laughs> somewhere. and I. Um, what was it? I, I can't remember it. Uh, people have been asking me that for a while, but I can't re- remember. So you actually went, where did you go and there, add all there, of those other names uh, to your name? There was a guy uh, I knew who uh, worked in the Jefferson Parish uh, office. Uh-huh. And he was uh, he was a friend of mine, and he had just gotten a, a car uh, smash up, and he had a problem. Oh, so and you were riding him around in your car. That'd be my I guess. I was, yeah. And I... <gasps> And the whole time he was there, uh, he he said, yeah, yeah, people come in and just to have their names changed right here all the time. Uh I don't know. I still don't know for sure. But uh, then I read a book about three, four more years later, and I said to myself, you know what? This would be great. I'm I'm going to add some things to to my name. Okay, so wait, let me just get this straight. Because, you know, in all these years, I've never actually, well, I've never really cared enough to ask the question, but here we are, so I'm going to ask you. So if you were 14 and you read read about someone who had like six names or something, Uh or you just like the name Nigel, I know you've always liked the name Nigel. Nigel. Nigel Nigel Mm -hmm. is a member. uh, Actually, he's a guy It's your closet grit. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so this guy was, he, well, he wasn't an attorney, I'm sure. So it was someone who just worked in the office, but doesn't that, don't you have to have like a legal document to change your name? Apparently at that time you could change your name by yourself. (laughs) If you're 12, that was the limit. Right. You, you hang with me and you'll get some seriously different five, stuff. Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number. Let's talk about food. All right. Let's move over to food now. But anyway, yeah. Nigel, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad to finally know that story, although maybe not. Maybe I'm not glad to know that. It is almost the end of the month. I just can't believe it. No. Why I mean, not? 
because the time is flying by and you would think that time would kind of drag because we've been in this sort of, you know, warped, surreal situation now for about 10 weeks. And um, you would think that time would drag, but actually it seems like it's, it's really sped up for some reason. I mean, no one's really doing anything, but you kind of are doing things. Like I have a friend who is newly retired for about two years now, and she was very busy all the time and had a big job. And I asked her how she was going to handle retirement. She didn't know, but then I asked her about six months into it and she goes, Honestly, I don't know how I found time to work. I mean, I'm just so busy. So maybe that's it. You're just busy, not really doing anything, but just being busy. Me? No. Anyone else? No. Uh, you're I, definitely not busy. Five five six nine six nine six. Today, Tom. Yeah. Is the birthday in 1911, or actually, yeah, the actual birth date of Vincent Price, who made is your, really? yes, which is kind of interesting because you have to have some food name to be in your almanac. So he must be in here for another reason. He was born, he was famous for all the horror movies, um, and he was a fine radio oh, actor. Vincent Price? Yes. Mm -hmm. he, he was a major uh, actor in radio yeah. mm -hmm. for, for many, many years, and he was known to be a really good-looking guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't really see that in him. Yeah, my, I, I don't see it either. But uh -huh. uh, you go with what you go and what you're given. Well, according to this, you say, he was yeah. a gourmet cook yeah, and was, was well enough known for that to be in a commercial for butter where he said, quote, I can certainly tell the difference between margarine and real butter, can't you? That's exactly the words he used. Uh -huh. Exactly like that. I was going to try to get it in there, but you beat me to it. Okay. Well, I think And then she people, beat me. I think... <laughs> Not this the is, first time it ever happened. I think this is Tom's big fear that I'm just going to beat up on him one day. I mean, I do, but not physically. Anyway, Let's have a look at okay, our tie so, for today. So margarine, <laughs> margarine is kind of a bright yellow. So yes, you yeah. can you can tell the difference for sure. And I, sure. I'm going to tell a margarine story while Tom uh, searches his tie. Tell me about your tie, Tom. You realize we're not on television, but go ahead. I'm going to uh, show it to you here. It's, I see it. It's got, it's I, like a little picnic. I own about 150 sh yes, uh, ties. Yes. A lot of them were given to me by people. Well, one of them were, they, you, you were Jim McCutcheon's best Jim clients. McCutcheon. In fact, he did Jim this Jim McCutcheon, one. whose voice you will hear on some commercials on this show. Yeah. Cousins yeah. and Care being two of them. Yeah, he worked under a, a, a name uh, for the it's called McSee, M C S E A, mm -hmm. and, and this was him. But uh, he made he, ties on the side. Made ties on the side. He yeah. was very good at it. And yeah, uh, and he's I've also very good at production. I like his voice a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't find Garcia's, that anymore. That's another one Go that find he did. Him. Garcia's. He's, no, he's on the. He's on this show. He does the Garcia. Oh, really? He does the Garcia spots, the cousin spots, and the care spots for us. Yeah. 
Anyway, Anyone? here's today's. Nice I like one, that one. It's, it's picnicky. Yeah, yeah it's, it's everybody's picnic-y. off on a picnic. Yeah, it's maroon with you know bread and and little little gingham napkins. I don't think so. <laughs> Somehow or another, I think that there's no foie gras on that table. But anyway, isn't this amazing? Just foolish blather that we do about food. We could just do it for hours and hours. But if you would mm-hmm. call us, we but can talk not? to you. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. Yes. Anyway, my favorite margarine story of late. First of all, I'm off on my one of my soapboxes about margarine. There is a lot of margarine being consumed in restaurants and people are unaware of it. <laughs> okay, step number one, just FYI. And um, For your I've, I've, become, I've become kind of, you know, a crusader about this because it's so mm-hmm. bad for you. And so I, I've asked a couple of people and <laughs> They're very unapologetic about it. I mean, it's just like, I don't believe that you can be unapologetic about it. Anyway, at Picnic and Provisions and Whiskey, they have some really kind of divine food, like their little biscuit is, it's like a cornbread biscuit. And it's, 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 it's almost like a cake. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And so they bring it to you, and then there's this little dish of yellow stuff that they bring with it. And I said, what is that? And and they said, it's margarine. It's like, yeah, margarine. And I'm, I'm just like, what? Anyway, so it's like there for it's everyone out there. to see. Well, most people don't really put it out and about like that, but they do. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just kind of amazed by that. Anyway, uh, so if Vincent Price asked that question and the answer that I have uh, for him now long deceased is yes, I can tell the difference between margarine and butter, although if it's in your food already, you can't. You can't. Yeah, too late. A lot of char-grilled mm. oysters are, are as much margarine as they are butter, and so uh, just interesting thing to mention. Another birthday today in 1975, Jamie Oliver. Poor Jamie Oliver. I'm not even sure if we're talking about the same guy. The Naked Chef. Is he the Brit, Jamie Oliver? Because I have, I, I, I've been to, uh, <laughs> I've been to the neighbors of Jamie Oliver's restaurants all over London. And every time, I, I always want to go to one, but I always wind up seeing it after I'm going to the one that I'm going to. And I feel bad because I really do want to go to, oh, I, actually, I did go to one. I did go to one when we were there for the Olympics in 2012. It was really good, I thought. Anyway, we are going to take a break. If you would like to chat with us, unless you want to just keep hearing us blather, because like I said, we got lots to blather about. 556-9696. We'll be back. WGSO 990. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils, 
Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. I remember the day when someone at the radio station brought me a bottle of Cousin's salad dressing. It was made by a young couple in small batches, and it was delicious. I was proud to have them sponsor my show just as I am now, but the line has expanded since then to include an olive oil, an herb vinaigrette, fresh salsa, and blue cheese, as well as an original Creole tomato. A delicious dressing that also makes a great quick dip. Cousins Salad Dressings, in the produce section at your favorite store, CousinsProducts.com. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. Oh, yeah. And so don't let forget her we haven't, go. We haven't heard that one in a while, and I haven't been out to dinner with you, so I haven't heard you sing it to a waiter either. I've been missing it. So, Tom, you like Terra Novas, don't you? Uh, I election in Novas? Nope. No, try nope. that again. Do you like Terra Novas? Terra Nova, I really like. I like Terra Novas a lot. I, it's just one of those plays that does... It's Nolan's, darling. Uh, the way that butcher shops used to operate... Mm-hmm. And we're so fresh, so uh, right in the middle of the real business. 95 it, years strong. They've been doing it 95 mm. years, fourth generation. Well, they uh, they do quality, too. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so uh, go great on sausage. over there and lighten your life up. But great, li- great sausage. Uh-huh. Benny Terranova makes great sausage in the back. Terranova. And his Esplanade wife Avenue. at Grand Rot St. John, his wife, Marie... Uh, or Maria, actually, her name is Karen, but she goes by Maria. I don't know the story there, Maria. but anyway, she answers to both of them. <laughs> you just go ahead. You can say. I don't know the next oh. word. Okay, that's my anyway, problem. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she makes great artichoke dressing. You can order it in a chicken. You can get it in a pork roast in the back case. They make great sausage too. This is Terra Nova's Superette. They have some local products on the shelves. It's a cute place. And if you haven't been there, you should just go see it I, and visit them. They're adorable people. Terra Nova's Superette on the corner of Grand Rot St. John and Esplanade. What? Uh, I have heard, um, and I can't uh, furb it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, Do you have a call? Huh? Is that what you're trying to say? We have a caller? No, oh, not, uh, okay. not exactly. But uh, now it's uh, uh, <laughs> it's gone. Okay, off into a Jamie different place. Oliver. <laughs> anybody been to a Jamie Oliver restaurant? I don't know if he has any in the states, but um, but he's he's good. I've never seen the Naked Chef, um, and I hope I never do. <laughs> I'm kind of trying to think of what that would be like, the Naked Chef. Don't but bring you know, it those, by me. Those television shows for cooking have really, really changed and metastasized over the last 30 years. Here's a deaf dining rule for you, Tom. Number 223, the hallmarks of a great breakfast restaurant are fresh squeezed orange juice, uh-huh. poached eggs with hollandaise, and homemade biscuits and muffins. I texted Daniel, the gourmet cellist, before the show to ask him Today? if he's ever... Yeah, to ask him if he's ever been to Breakfast Hill, which is in the southern southeast corner of New Hampshire, hmm. which is where he is and where he's from. That's a place I'd like to live. Two miles from the Atlantic shore. Well, he's living there right now because oh. that's where he's from. But anyway, the, the, the delicious sounding place in your almanac today is Breakfast Hill, New Hampshire. Hmm. It's, uh, it's the it's Breakfast Hill Golf eat. Club is on the other side of the hill. 
You can actually eat breakfast there on the weekends and lunch and dinner every other day. So there you go. Tom. Yes. Today, <laughs> today is also National Pineapple Day. Dun, 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 dun. And it is once again. And uh, they're in cocktails and on steaks. No, they're not. But some people think they are. I'm telling you, they can. <laughs> if you have a steak that needs some kind of trimmer, oh, that's a hot thing now. Yeah, yeah, that's a hot thing. Hawaiian steak. Yeah. Hawaiian steak. That uh -huh. goes back to a chain restaurant that was prominent around here in the 1960s. Are we talking about the uh, what is the one the the, the uh, Buck Forty Nine? No, that was oh. a local chain. Uh -huh. a, a local chain of six. Mm -hmm. But there was uh, there was a national chain, mm -hmm. uh, which we just said the name of, and and, and then we. So pineapple away. is something mm -hmm. that you were talking yeah. about yesterday. Pineapple juice, and where you frozen, you can't do it from a can. You have to have the real fresh product. You squinch it out a little bit, and you from an actual pineapple. From a pineapple. Okay. Uh huh. And then you uh, band basher it down a little bit mm -hmm. with the pineapple and the pineapple juice and what you find but you mean you whack the meat with a pineapple no you kind of because you could if you, you think about squeeze it, it out a little. it'd be kind of a good pounder and then you you marinate the pineapple with this uh-huh and then you you not a whole lot and then you have uh well the, it tenderizes it doesn't it it tender tenderizes uh -huh. it to a degree that i don't think is exceeded anywhere I've ever seen. It just brings the the juiciousness. Yeah, that's juiciousness. <laughs> what somebody write I'm that? I'm gonna have one to down. start a new dictionary just for Tom. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. All right. So National Pineapple Day. I will read what you have in your almanac on that subject. The pineapple yep. is uh, is so astonished the day the early explorers to the West Indies that they brought it back to Europe as a great treasure. It is an amazing fruit, actually. It's a bunch of fruits all growing together so compactly that they fuse with one another. Have you ever found a pineapple seed? No, I have to say I haven't. They do exist, but only rarely. It seems that the seeds had been bred out of the original plant long before Columbus arrived. Huh. That could be. There's a lot of things so that were, get around. They were messing with food even back then, huh? The English name comes from the resemblance to a pine cone. The French, the French word for it, uh, anan, ananas, comes ananas, from the yeah, ananas comes from ananas. the original Brazilian Indian name, which means mm -hmm. something like excellent fruit. It is indeed an excellent fruit, especially mm -hmm. when eaten fresh. The best fresh pineapple are flown in from Hawaii. But those are not typical. Most of what we find in stores now comes from Mexico, picked mm -hmm. underripe, making them hard and less sweet. As they hang around, they get softer, but not much sweeter. The way to tell if a pineapple is ripe is to smell it. If it smells good, it's ready. You feel a pineapple by cutting off the bottom. You peel a pineapple by cutting off the bottom and top, and then cutting down the sides with a very sharp knife in strips about an inch or two wide. You can cut out the center if you like, but although it's fibrous, it's quite edible. A unique property of pineapple is that it contains an enzyme called bromatin. Broma, bromatin, bromatin. 
bromatane, which is an extremely effective meat tenderizer. This mm. is well known to cheap steakhouses, which have been using it as a marinade on their tough beef for years, but it tastes good too. Thousands of recipes for pineapple exist, not all of them for sweet dishes. Among currently popular pineapple dishes, the hardest to figure is pineapple pizza. Some people love them. Yeah. Uh, who knows that why? Yeah. Uh, how did that do get started? Do you eat started? pineapple on your pizza, anyone? If you do, give us a call. 556-9696. I went to a new pineapple. Oh, no. A new, a new <laughs> pasta. No, nope. I, pizza. Not that either. Pizza. Place I had last a, night. A, it was not good. And... Uh, I, I thought it was. And you were thinking about getting pineapple on the pizza? Because I know you mentioned it. Yeah. I don't know why you would get pineapple on a pizza or on meat. Well, it Evan. doesn't sound logical. No, it doesn't. Uh, but so do you think that means if you go into a restaurant and there's a Hawaiian steak on the menu, that mm -hmm. that means that it's not good meat? No, I think the pineapple's good for that re uh, removal of too much it's Toughness. really hot right now. Pineapple steak is really hot. Tom, pineapple upside down cake is your edible dictionary for today. It is? Mm -hmm, it is. Oh, a sweet dessert baked in the oven in a rounded pan or skillet. It's the most common version. Pineapple rings are placed on the bottom of the pan along with brown sugar and butter. They usually get cherry in the middle too all of which are lightly caramelized. After cooling it to just oh. warm, a yellow cake batter is poured in and the cake is baked in the oven. When served, the cake is flipped so that the fruit on the bottom shows on top. Other fruits and other, other, fruits and other batters can also be used, but the pineapple version is the classic. Remember when I thought that pineapple upside down cake was your favorite cake, and I baked one for your birthday, and you didn't, you couldn't figure out why. <laughs> I think it's because your mom say, always served pineapple upside down cake. No. Oh, not that time, anyway. I just think if the ever, you know, we were talking about sloppy joes yesterday being a really old-fashioned dish. If if sloppy joes are an old-fashioned dish, pineapple upside down is a really old-fashioned dish. Does anyone eat pineapple upside down cake? And does anyone know if anyone has made pineapple upside down cake hip? Uh, not lately. Is being made hip? It is. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like the whole. It's like the. The, everyone's raison d'etre in the restaurant industry now. You have to be hip. You ever hear of that expression, the tipping point? <laughs> no. I mean, yes, I have. Of course I have. There yeah. was a book written about yeah, it. Yeah, what about it? And uh, I read it, and then I realized that I had missed the point of it. Uh, and, uh, Did you miss the tipping point? Yeah, the tipping point. Uh -huh. Because the tipping point, it, I thought, oh, yeah, this is where you, you know, rig a dig and, and all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> and it turns out that it meant specifically the exact spot on your piece of paper here that you're keeping track of, whatever it is you're keeping track of. And uh, it, well, you would get to that point, the tipping point, and after that, you give your tip to the waiter. What? That's, what it, that's the whole what? meaning of it. No. Yes. What are you I mean, talking about? Tell me something you... else. I'm that's, just wondering that... if there's going to be a tipping point where this show becomes good. I'll go for anything, uh, but you know. Five, I have, five, six, but nine, as long six, as we're nine, here, six, and maybe while we were uh -huh. here, so we can. Um, 
there is a, a dessert that used to be run, and I, this is another one of those things I'm desperately trying to remember this guy's name. Is it was actually two fish, uh, two uh, fish, two uh, chefs. Yeah. One of them was young, uh-huh. in, in his thirties, and the other one was <laughs> quite old. He's been, uh -huh. been in his fifties and sixties. Is this? I beg your pardon. Is this a? Uh, is this a local restaurant? Uh, it was at the time. It is no longer around. Oh, and you don't know what? And they had a, 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 a pineapple mm. uh, dish. I forget what went into it, but it, it was ananas and then uh, a little slider. And then uh, it would tell you a name that basically meant that it was on the fire and being mm. kind of... Oh. And, and we could have asked the griller guy yesterday, Matt Moore, about grilling pineapple. I wish I could remember the name of the, uh, the restaurant. The, of of the uh, the name of it uh, would would do it. Does anyone but, know uh, the name of a restaurant that had a grilled pineapple it on was, the menu? It was just off of Metairie Road, almost to the canal. Beverly and, Dinner Playhouse. No. no, this was in a uh, Metairie Road, old Metairie, Metairie Road. Road. And, uh, Which side of Metairie Road? It would be the north. Uh, the would it be close to the city or close to uh, Kenner? Uh, about the same, actually. Well, no, you can't have them both. I, I know so, that doesn't help. So, Ananas. is it close? Was it close to Barreca's, where the old Barreca's no, was, or was it close the to the other end? This Big was okay. this, this was uh, okay. right right where you come in. Uh, was it <clears> by Gambrel? Was it? Ding ding! <laughs> you got it. But what <laughs> could you possibly remember this thing he had on their menu? Ananas. And does something. anybody remember a pineapple dish at Gambrill? That First of all, does seared. anyone remember Gambrill? Because I do. Which Gambrill, is, it was good. I mean, I only went once or twice, but I thought it was a really good restaurant. And I a thought it was a really charming little place. It was very, very cozy and, and smallish, and I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Gambrill on Metairie Road, right there where it, it's just about the big where you turn on the yeah, 17th Street. Where, yeah, canal. where you get to the 17th Street Canal. Woo, those are stressful, Tom. When I have to try and help you figure something like that out. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If we haven't run Jim Richard off, uh, he is going to be our Ask the Chef when Jim we come Richard? back. Jim Richard from Trinas, which is not open oh. now, which is why we can have him. Listening to the Louisiana Radio Network starting now. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Brooke Thorrington. The number of people hospitalized with COVID-19 in Louisiana has fallen below 800 for the first time since late March. A falling hospitalization rate is one of the factors state officials use to decide how and when restrictions on public gatherings and businesses can be eased. The Louisiana Department of Education announces every child care provider in the state will receive free supplies to help ensure a healthy reopening following the COVID-19 outbreak. Assistant Superintendent Jessica Bagian says the state worked with vendors to acquire supplies for 1,600 child care providers. Utilizing federal recovery dollars that we have, we've just prioritized getting these supplies to our child care providers. The supplies include no-touch thermometers, masks, gloves, hand sanitizer, soap, and other cleaning products. The supplies were purchased with federal emergency relief funds. Louisiana Radio Network... Com. The great American outdoors are right outside your back door. Get a great deal on a great tool 
when you save $20 on the tough and dependable steel MS-170 chainsaw. Shop online, pick up at any of over 9,000 local steel dealers. Find yours at stihldealers.com. Offer valid for a limited time at participating dealers while supplies last. See dealer for details and consult state local guidelines for availability of promotional products and pricing in your area. Like every industry in Louisiana, the Louisiana Lottery's concern is the health and safety of our players, retailers, our employees, as well as fulfilling our mission of generating needed revenue for the state. Just know the lottery is still operating strong as we continue to service our customers with fun and exciting games. Here's to you, Louisiana, and what you do every day to give us all a reason to smile. GW Fins is back open with limited seating Wednesday through Sunday and still offering curbside pickup of the $39 three-course Fin Feast dinner menu, which changes daily. And you can still pick up their fresh fish, butter sauces like barbecue shrimp compound butter, lemon caper butter, glazes, as well as the addictive salty malty ice cream. Go to gwfins.com slash curbside for details. GW Fins, 808 Bienville, 581-3467. Hello, hello, Daniel, the gourmet cellist here. I'm big into coffee, and I've got Parrish Coffee keeping me company in lockdown. This is a great breakfast brew. I guess that's why they say wake up to Parrish. But it remains consistent throughout the day, robust yet mellow at the same time. I love this luxurious coffee, and I can't believe the price. With no idea how long we'll be locked down, it's a good thing I can order it online at parrishcoffee.com. See the full lineup there and hashtag wake up to perish. Tito's Ceviche and Pisco Bar is a great little place on Magazine Street serving cuisine not much seen in New Orleans. Peruvian food and Pisco, the national drink of Peru, with six different kinds of ceviche made from only local seafood and Pisco. You'll also find more familiar things like beef tenderloin tips and duck confit. Tito's Ceviche and Pisco Bar, 5015 Magazine Street, 267-7612. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are seldom what they seem. We're gonna have to get uh, get more Manhattan in there. I like the Manhattan, and also I won't dance. We're gonna switch those out. Dancing. Switch those out for us, Henry. Huh? You're listening to the Food Show with Tom and Marianne Fitzmorris, and we have Jim Richard on the line. He is our Ask the Chef for today. Hey, Jim. Hey, how's everybody doing? Everybody is doing pretty well, but just one at a time, uh, not so good. <laughs> Jim, are you in Florida? Or are you here? I am currently in Florida. Okay. Okay, so Jim is with Trinas, which is part of a restaurant group. And I it's called Word of Mouth Restaurant Group, but it is Stinky's Fish Camp in Florida. That's the flagship. If you people who go to Florida for the summer uh, see Stinky's Fish Camp, that's Trinas. And uh, is that where you are now? Is Stinky's Fish Camp open? That's correct. Stinky's is open, and we also have a restaurant here called Red Fish Taco. And so we're operating it as well as our uh, Stinky's Bait Shack, which does live bait and tackle and normally does great live music. And uh, But there we've been doing to-go food, uh, roadside uh, crawfish have been plentiful this year in Florida, and shrimp and blue crabs here as well as 
uh, ribs off the smoker and slow smoke brisket and some of those goodies that were uh, just keeping ourselves busy over here. How's it going? I mean, how has it been for you the last 10 weeks? Well, originally, I think we were all in the same boat. Um, a lot of unknowns and fear, but, um, you know, we went right to work trying to uh, set up some of this uh, to-go food that was we still have the ability to do to-go food at that time. Um, we unfortunately did have to um, lay off a lot of staff, and since then we've been able to get a large majority of them back. We went to 25% occupancy, and now we're currently at 50% occupancy uh, with uh, a little extra space outdoors. And as long as we're distancing, um, we've been able to do fairly well. Um, uh, certainly no complaints. It could always be worse. And uh, we did, uh, when they had opened short-term rentals for Memorial Day, and we had a large influx of people for the Memorial Day holiday. So this week, things are starting to level off a little bit. Looking up. Good. That's good. Okay, we asked you on because um, we have been, you know, everybody's been in lockdown. So we've been at our house anyway, trying to up our game in the cooking department. And so we put this, We you what? Is he talking, are you talking to oh, me? I I yeah. don't think so. Go ahead. Uh, we're trying to um, help people who are also thinking that they're tired of doing the same exact thing that they normally do. I mean, most people would cook sometimes, you know, we're always busy running, running, running. But now people have cooked a lot. I mean, in our house, it's been a pretty much a 180. I mean, we always ate out and our refrigerator, we actually have two refrigerators and neither of them had anything in there. I mean, it was like condiments from, you know, 1995 and, and a bunch of takeout containers. And now our refrigerators are popping with food because we've been cooking a lot. So um, for people who are, are trying to get a little more adventuresome and a little more gourmet with their cooking. That's why we put the Ask the Chef, the, the chef segment together so that chefs can help us with things like oils and um, spices and smoke points and all these things that are little tips that chefs know just because they know them, but people don't know them. So um, if you were to say that you were going to teach us, give us a little primer, on ways to really, really jazz up seafood. What what sort of things would you say, like spices and, and preparations? Well, I think, you know, for me personally, um, and I can say we're up and running again uh, at, at some level, um, but what, you know, I found myself doing was just, and, and getting whatever I could and using uh, with some different ingredients, but with the same technique, as you know, it always comes back to that technique of, um, of taking, even if you have some older spices that you want to, you know, don't want to throw away, but don't know how to use, taking those spices and blending them together. I mean, the extreme, of course, would be a great blackening spice and taking a lot of them and putting them together and 
Jeff Baldwin did, and uh, but taking them and toasting them in a pan over a medium heat and letting them kind of refresh and letting some of the oils come out of those spices before you use them, whether it's a chili powder or cumin or coriander, you know, whether you're going that, that chili direction or even uh, even with your peppers, your, your cracked pepper or your cayennes and toasting them a little bit revitalizes them and releases some of the oils in them and really makes a huge difference in whatever you're cooking. Now, of all the people that we've talked to, no one has mentioned that, but it makes a lot of sense. Do you do that with all the dishes that you do there? Do you you put the spices in first? Is this before the oils? This is, yes. This is kind of, depending on what you're doing, you can just toast them and bring them up in the probably the easiest one. Uh, you know, the most basic uh, example would be if you're making some sort of chili. And so you're taking and you're browning your meat, whether it's ground meat or diced steak, and, uh, you know, you sweat your meat and do that. Before you add those spices, you take them and put them in a medium meat pan and, and toast them a little bit, and you can, you'll smell them. They'll really pop, and you'll smell the oils and get the essence of what that dried spice was, and then add it, and it makes a huge difference in anything that you're cooking. That sounds actually really good, and I never would have thought to do that. Do you then um, take it out and put the oil in first and add the toasted spices back in, or do you just put the oil on top of the toasted spices? Uh, you would toast it and take it out, and, and, and sometimes, you know, they will burn. There's no doubt about it. They will burn. So if you're searing a piece of fish and you want to do some chili lime fish, for example, you would toast your spices and your peppers. Then you'd start in a new pan and sear your fish and, you know, season it, of course, as I always do with, uh, you know, whatever you have and, or whatever you like and sear it and then add those, you know, add that chili spice to it and hit it with some fresh lime juice and, you know, maybe some cilantro or tomatoes or you can tell that I've been, uh, we, we open the taco restaurant, so you can tell I've been working in the, in the taco joint doing fish tacos and fruit tacos. Uh -huh. Uh, all that good stuff. So um, uh, it kind of depends on what you're making, but they will burn, I think, is my point. So you want to add yeah, them. Yeah, so like, like how many seconds? Is it just a, a minute or a couple of seconds or what? Uh, for the toasting process, it will usually take about 60 seconds, depending okay. on the heat. You know, if your pan is warm, you know, you're uh -huh. 30 to 60 seconds, and you'll, you'll start to smell them. And again, uh -huh. they will burn, so be careful. And but if you're starting with a cold pan, which I don't suggest, uh, sometimes you do that and, and bring them up slowly. It may take a minute to two minutes to get there. Okay, that's that's good to know. But you, so basically, what you do is you you use your senses, and you uh, when your nose starts to tell you that you're tottering on the brink, you take it out. That's correct. And then uh, okay. for me, uh, cooking is very. You know, obviously very hands-on, but very much a sensory thing to, to touch and smell and taste. And so, yes, you'll know. When it burns, when it's burnt, you'll know. And yeah. When, it burn, <laughs> that's the thing. Way. When it burns and it's too late, you know. So you want to get it before then. So I was just kind of looking yeah. for a rule of thumb. So what kinds Especially, of things just naturally go with 
seafood and what kinds of seafood. I mean, like, I didn't know what tarragon was until I started hanging out with Tom. Ketchup. Ketchup? Ketchup and, and horseradish. <laughs> with oysters, right? I always put ketchup on it. No, this place That's is after. one of the great uh, oyster places in the city. Oh, Trinas? Oh, Trinas, for sure. Yeah. yeah, but he's in Florida. You're not, you don't, you're, you don't come here much at Trinas, do you? Uh, yes, ma'am, I do. I'm kind of, you know, whether we're doing fundraisers and that stuff, I travel for that. But when we're doing new menus and, uh, and getting ready for the season, I'm anxious, very anxious to get back over there with our team and get reopened. Uh, mm -hmm. We're kind of following the trend with the hotel and waiting on their queue. But, um, uh, yeah. but Stan told me that know, one I'm, I'm night there, there were th three people in the hotel. Mm. I know it. It's it's uh, tragic, but it is wow is all I could say when he said that. That's a pretty big hotel. Okay, so what things are completely no nos? What have you learned as a chef of trying to put certain things together with seafood, and you just go, oh, never again? And what things are natural, natural things that would you know gravitate to seafood? Well, I was a moment ago when we were talking about uh, over toasting or burning. Uh, my suggestion, and a lot of uh, even experienced cooks uh, do it from time to time, but you'll you'll over toast or you'll burn something, or even your roux will get a little bit too dark, and you'll try to keep going and make it work. And the the important thing there is that to just to just accept is to throw it out and start again and don't let <laughs> a little mistake ruin your great accept piece of your the rest of your meal. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Sounds All right, so we're going to come back. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back. You're listening to WGSO 990. We'll be back with Jim Richard from the Word of Mouth Restaurant Group, Stinky's Fish Camp in Florida and Trinas in these parts after these messages. Tony Mandina's roots go back to Salaparuta, Sicily. His father left in 1924, but those connections are still powerful. The restaurant uses extra virgin olive oil and wines made at Villa Mandina in the ancestral home. Tony's restaurant started in 1982 with 14 tables and has grown to seat 180 with his daughters and granddaughter running it now. Now this West Bank favorite still serves their delicious Sicilian New Orleans menu in a place that feels like home and pick up some of their famous red gravies sold in groceries all over town. Tony Mandina's 1915 Pratt Street, Gretna, 362-2010. The Pelican Club is one of the best restaurants that has ever been in New Orleans. Now celebrating 30 years, owner Richard Hughes offers a polished and more sophisticated version of all the classic New Orleans dishes with a modern twist like his signature seafood martini and Asian-inspired whole fried fish. This place just feels good to me, and the food is always superb. The Pelican Club, 312 Exchange Place at Bienville, 523-1504. Care Restaurant and Supply has reopened for you to come in and shop. Care has all the wipes, gloves, and sanitizing supplies that you may need, and face masks. They have a great selection of takeout containers, too. Call Billy to help you plan the renovation of your kitchen or dining room. Home cooks will find a great selection of kitchen tools, too. Hours are 8 to 4 weekdays right now. 
Buy local. Our city depends on it. Care, hotel, and restaurant supply. Call 482-0294, 4815 Conti Street. I get misty just holding your hand. Yeah, I like that one. You're listening to The Food Show, the reboot food show. Tom and Mary Ann Fitzmore is here. 5569696 if you would like to talk to our guest, Jim Richard, from the Word of Mouth Restaurant Group. Okay, so, you know, Tom and I have this thing, Jim, about seafood, things that are... The thing is still here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I thought thought he had transferred to uh, Miami. No, no. But, um, but, uh... Like tomatoes and fish, is that a yes or a no for you? Probably. Ketchup is always a no. Well, it, it depends. And uh, I, while you're on break, I was thinking about this, and I've I've always been fascinated with seafood and love to eat it. And so there are appropriate ways and inappropriate ways. For example, one would be I have. The flavor combination of uh, shrimp and fresh tomatoes and fresh cilantro for me is uh, is exceptional. Um, okay, so you're talking about grilled shrimp with cilantro and tomatoes. I'm talking about grilled shrimp with uh, with fresh tomatoes or boiled with fresh tomatoes and finished with fresh cilantros. Cilantro is great, and some sort of uh, even uh, finishing it with a little bit of hard cheese. Uh, a Spanish Montego or, you know, Pecorino will work or something like that works. Or a, um, some burrata actually works really well with it as well. Um, so cheese so and, and shrimp. You like cheese and shrimp. See, I wouldn't necessarily put cheese and shrimp together, but now you're going to make me want to try it. So are you talking about with fish that's tacos? A, that's just a good, uh, uh, that's a good flavor combination for me. Um, uh-huh. You know, beyond that, I'm not, a little bit at, at Stinky's, we have a uh, at Stinky Stew, and it's actually on the menu at Trinas as well. And we make a nice seafood broth, and we sear shrimp and oysters and fish, and we put crab boiled corn and potatoes in it, and it's this wonderful stew with this broth, and we put some fresh tomato in a, uh, and we polish it with a, a basil butter, really garlicky and fresh basil, and you kind of get that broth with the tomato basil butter. So a little bit goes a long way. Now, yeah. We're not talking tubion or anything like that that, uh, um, that goes that far, and I knew a lot of people in South Louisiana would, uh, could easily argue that. I'm not, I'm like you, I'm not a huge tomato and fish person, but yeah. use sparingly and appropriately it really, the acidity works great with it, and I think most things, whether it's wine or lemon or, um, or even tomatoes, has really good acid that works well with seafood. You know, it's interesting that you put it that way, because I was going to say that I don't like, like, I don't like things like a shrimp etouffee or a, a shrimp stew or, you know, anything like that. But when you, when you talk about, like, a bouillabaisse, it's just a couple of tomatoes that really, you're right, just use sparingly. You, you usually do like something like that. So I, I definitely get it. What about artichokes and seafood? Uh, that works pretty well, usually in the, uh, with some kind of semi, uh, what's uh, the, 
like a white wine uh, or something? Uh, yeah, something you would bake in the oven with some like, breadcrumbs and uh, some little uh, seafood. Like a somewhere. casserole? Yeah, something like that. Uh -huh. And what you don't want, or at least I don't want it, is cheese and seafood together. Well, he was just talking about how much he likes uh, a, like a mild cheese, although manchego is not really. How do you say that again? <laughs> hmm? I can never say that word. Well, it's kind of the same thing as a tomato. You know, hard cheese has a certain acidity and saltiness uh -huh. to it. That's uh, yeah. different than I love the cheese. Iodized salt. So when it's used appropriately, it adds a layer, uh, adds another layer of flavor instead of. I'm not talking like nachos, you know, shrimp with, you know, yeah. covered in uh -huh. cheese. Uh, I'm talking about using it as just a, another flavor component to give it uh, a little bit more complexity. Okay. Um, I, I never want to talk about technical things like right on the air, but I don't know if you've changed whatever you're doing with your phone since we started the interview, but you're not as easy to understand as you were. So if you did something, would you go back to that original position that you were in? Because uh, what you're saying is much too interesting, and I'm afraid it, people won't be able to hear it in the podcast. Now that we've well, heard how that is this? Yeah, is this that's better? better. Yeah, that's better. But for like, you started out really strong, and now I'm finding it a little difficult to hear you. Um, and understand okay. you, which is too bad because I, I really want to hear what you're saying because you've given us some really good ideas. What about mushrooms and seafood? Mushrooms and seafood. Uh, it, it goes pretty well. Don't you think so? I'm not sure about that. How do you feel about it, Jim? Well, I'll, I'll take a step back. And I, I like artichokes with <laughs> almost anything. It's one of my favorite foods. I know. Foods. Me too. Um, <laughs> and, but uh, from... You know, as a chef, and now I'm getting a little older, you have these cycles that you go through in your life of cooking different things or working with different ingredients. And um, I do uh, shiitakes and fresh artichokes, and parsley is one of my favorite fresh herbs to work with. And uh, the combination of that and a little bit of citrus butter and some uh, char-grilled grouper works pretty darn oh, well. Oh, that sounds good. Sounds that really, wonderful. That really sounds so, good. Guys, uh, they're very good with their seafood. Yeah, they're very them. good with yeah. their seafood. You know what? I think the overall theme here is that we're not bathing anything in one ingredient. We're using enough to add a different texture and a little complexity. bit of complexity or flavor yeah. profile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know what I think of parsley? Um, I, I put parsley in just about everything. Because it's got vitamin C in it and it's got uh, calcium in it and all those good things. And I don't really think of it as having any kind of flavor. But it does, doesn't it? If it tries. Yes, it. And keeps it, on doing it. Absolutely. It rigorously. It absolutely, and absolutely does. Every day. What? Yes. Uh, so it, you, you like it because it imparts what kind of flavor profile to your things? Uh, it, I guess it, it could be said. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, I, I don't know if it's because of my heritage growing up in, in Lafayette and um, and it being such a big part. But, you know, when I was a kid, my mom would sear a steak and take it out of the pan and finish it with a little garlic and parsley and, and hit it with a little bit of stock. And, and that would be the sauce 
or just a light glaze of it. But the difference between uh, parsley and you look at some of the classical uh, French stuff when, uh, you know, you can, there's such a huge difference. Probably the, the biggest one would be piccata. Back to, uh, and I've, to your mushroom point, I like mushrooms and capers and a lot of parsley in my capers. piccata, whether it's on fish or whether it's on veal or even chicken from time to time. But the difference in that, you can really see it because the the wine acid really helps release the chlorophyll. And I think it's that chlorophyll that completes the dish and, and again, adds that, that little extra complexity that just makes it great. Something that you can't necessarily pick out. It's not like basil, obviously, mm -hmm. and it doesn't mm -hmm. have that cilantro, huge flavor profile. But it, it's it's just a, such a great complement to things. It's not there just for the color in my life, um, mm -hmm. or uh, it doesn't make a pretty garnish in my world. But it is a great component to finish a dish, and it. You can't really, you don't cook it in a dish because it will turn brown and have no flavor and get grassy. But when you finish a sauce, toss it once and, and use it appropriately, um, it is definitely one of my favorites. Well, congratulations, Jim. You are the first person that has ever said the word chlorophyll on the food show. Which is <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, not only I that, mean, I, but so I easy never... to grow. You can grow it in your kitchen. You can put it by your window and grow it. And if you don't use it, it's going to take over. You need that chlorophyll in your life, I guess. Anyway, are you in a time crunch? Because I would love to hold you over after the news and chat a little bit more. You've been very interesting and very helpful, and I'm, I'm inspired. Do you, have, do you have some more time, or do you want us to reschedule you and, and have you call us again? Thank you. No, I would be happy to stay on. Okay, because I, I have a whole other range of questions for you having to do with cooking seafood with wine and how that changes it because you know i'm i'm trying to be a gourmet cook and i've decided <laughs> it's like it's like i'm a one-trick pony you know uh it's like now we have all of these half opened bottles of wine on the counter and um and they just sort of sit there for when i'm cooking something because it doesn't really matter if it was alcohol at one time, it goes into the pan because somehow or another that makes it gourmet. And, and I just would like to be a little bit more discerning and a little bit more knowledgeable about how I am gourmetizing my food. Okay. Makes sense that's, to me. That's what we want to talk about. And I know you've been in the world of fish tacos where there's probably no you know, wine going in there, but um, but I, I definitely like the idea of putting wine with all kinds of seafood. And we haven't even started to talk about oysters yet, which is Tom's favorite, oh, boy, favorite subject. That's one of the things that you walk into that restaurant and the first thing you realize is that they have more than just one kind of uh, a violation violation uh, no no. Uh, <laughs> no scratch that folks. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, hope latoya is not listening Go ahead, all look. of these uh different versions of yes. baked oysters which is yeah something that uh, is you, you better register good 
on, on that if you're going to get me. You know what, Tom? I realize I realize that we've. I, I need to just keep a lot of oysters in the house because then we don't have to go out and get anything. As long as there are oysters in the house to be prepared all these different ways, you will be satisfied. So I've yeah. decided to just keep a stock of oysters. But but I, I know that we haven't even touched on the subject of oysters. So, uh, Jim, I would love to focus on those things when we come back. Cooking with wine well, at- and, and, and the oysters wheelhouse, okay? And I, I'm still going to be. I'm still going to be chuckling about your chlorophyll. That's never been said on the food show, and uh, and I love it because I well, I've never know, thought of, of parsley as anything actually but chlorophyll. <laughs> but now I need to <laughs> elevate elevate it a little bit. Anyway, you're listening to the food show with Tom and Marianne Fitzmorris and Jim Richard from the Word of Mouth Restaurant Group. We'll be back right after the top news. The best in whining and dining daily. It's the Dine, Wine, and Spirit Show with Tim McNally from 4 to 5 p.m. on WGSO 990 AM, New Orleans. Unconstitutional. For more than 231 years, never have we seen a proxy vote on the floor of the House. This challenges the Constitution only to protect and empower a speaker. McCarthy also saying that as America is safely reopening, all members of the House should be at the Capitol. Former NASA astronaut Peggy Whitson is like the rest of us watching America get ready to return to space. She also tells Fox News the speed that they'll reach is truly eye-popping. It's really quite amazing, I think, to think that you're going zero miles an hour and then around eight and a half minutes later you're going 17,500 miles an hour. Pretty impressive. The SpaceX launch scheduled for 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. USA Radio News. Hand sanitizer is not an option. It's now a must-have. But beware, not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That is why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients, American-made with American ingredients, employing Americans. Log on now at 2020safe.net and order your liter bottle and receive a bonus. That's right, you'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $14.95 value, free. By using code GCN at checkout, 2020safe.net offers many natural products to help support health and help you live a more fulfilled life. From germ-zapping hand sanitizer to immune-building nutraceuticals, 2020safe.net has what you need in stock today. Just click 2020safe.net. Remember to enter GCN at checkout, and the bonus is yours free. Go now to 2020safe.net. Have you been micro-targeted by advertisers? USA Radio Network's Chris Barnes reports on one lawmaker's bid to make sure you're not. Democratic Congresswoman Anna Eshoo of California introducing the bill that would restrict micro-targeting efforts on political ads. It's called the Banning Micro-Targeted Political Ads Act. It would bar platforms like Google and Facebook from allowing advertisers to directly target messages based on the demographic or behavioral data of the users. Micro-targeting has drawn heightened security in the wake of the 2016 presidential election when U.S. officials did learn of targeted disinformation campaigns by Russians. Representative Tulsi Gabbard is dropping her defamation lawsuit against Hillary Clinton, citing a need to focus on the coronavirus pandemic and defeating President Trump in the 2020 election. Gabbard filed the suit in January, alleging Clinton damaged her reputation 
by claiming last year that she was a favorite of the Russians. You're listening to USA Radio News. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. Nonprofits aimed at helping small business owners during the coronavirus pandemic are popping up all across the country. Take Arkansas 30-Day Fund. It was created by Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her husband, Brian Sanders. Huckabee Sanders joins Fox News and explains the premise behind the fund and how it's meant to help small business owners. This is not a government program. This is citizens from around the state coming together, raising private donations. We wrote one of the first checks to get us started. And it's all about putting money into small businesses. We give forgivable loans. Uh, We don't ask that it is repaid. And one of the big things that we've seen as we started giving out uh, this money to these individual businesses is the hope that it brings. Storms and showers, some, yep, with possibly heavy downpours. Tapering off as we go to the evening and overnight hours. Going to be a muggy night after a rain-cooled spot of two to overnight lows of 60s. And the possibility of a patch of morning fog. Through the day tomorrow, late morning, midday, afternoon storms. They have the potential to dump heavy rains in a short period of time. 80s tomorrow. Widely scattered storms, showers, more sunshine, more heat. Thursday and Friday, 80s to 90. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Here are some things you need to know if you're asked to evacuate due to an emergency. Establish a personal emergency fund. A few extra dollars could help cover a hotel or gas cost if you're forced to leave. If you need assistance for you or your pets to evacuate, find out what resources your local emergency managers have to offer. Develop an evacuation plan. Show as we return to the microphone, as well as a little stick that has a little green thing on the end. I don't know what it's for. I don't know why. It's for me to beat you sometimes. And uh, uh, me, in this case, she's her, uh, her Marianne, and this is Hi. Tom. And here I am, and we're all of a sudden huddling up and, and hustling up because somebody said it we- might. The rain might come down in the next Uh-oh. 20 hours. Uh-oh, yes, looks like it could be. How's the weather there, Jim? We're talking to Jim Richard, who is in Florida at Stinky's Fish Camp and the taco. What's the name of the taco place? Redfish Taco. Redfish Tacos. And uh, they are a restaurant group called Word of Mouth, based in Florida, but have the restaurant Trinas here, which has sadly been closed uh, during this whole last 10 weeks because they are in the Hyatt Hotel and we don't even need to go into what's happening in the travel business. Um, All right, so we were talking about wine. Then I want to get into Tom's wheelhouse oysters with you. But tell me about wine and the pairing of wine with certain kinds of seafood. What kinds of wines go with seafood? In other words, when I'm picking up one of those half-used bottles of wine, should I be discerning or does it matter? Well, well, you, I don't know if you asked me. Oh, no, you asked him. Never asked mind. Him. We'll yeah. let him have it. Yeah. I want to hear what you have to say, Tom. Go ahead. All right. You go first, Tom. Oh, uh, well, uh, now that I have grabbed the 
football and I'm uh -huh. running up the path, <laughs> except it's you not a make path. A yeah, let's see. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what, what? The question is what? wine. We have all this wine. wine, and I'm going to throw it into a pan with some kind of So what goes with what? Uh, what goes with what is this? All seafood goes with all uh, not wine. so seafood. Wine. And, and it even works better with food. Uh, all food and all... Wine goes together. Wine yes, goes together. Sure. And you can probably find some oddities in there, but uh, not too many of them. And so you don't have to worry about it. Just go drink it and enjoy it. And uh, if you find one that you don't like, hand it over to somebody who uh, Put it on my kitchen counter. Just there put it on my kitchen Perfect. counter. You should yeah. find one you don't like. It'll wind up in a, a dish somewhere. Yeah. So what would you say to that, Jim? I, I would say you're absolutely correct. I concur. I would. Uh, <laughs> I would say, number one, Drink the rest of the bottle. You know, you opened it, drink it. But there you, if you go. Can't drink it. If you can't drink it, I, I keep it in the fridge. And as from a cooking standpoint, you know, the first rule of thumb is you're only going to get out of your sauce what you put into it. So uh, I wouldn't open uh, a nice bottle of wine to cook with, but definitely if it is left over, I always keep mine refrigerated. And I think the most important technique part of it is that when you add wine to a sauce, you want a hot pan and you want to deglaze with the wine. So even if you're searing a fish or a shrimp, you would sear it, take it out, and while the pan's still hot, if you add garlic or shallots or herbs, whatever, you want to deglaze and you want to hit it so that the alcohol evaporates out of it and the flavor reduces in it. And so that's kind of from a cooking standpoint uh that would be my best uh suggestion as far as using it but i would not hesitate even if it's there for a month uh, to cook with it it has it's going to maintain its acidity the fruit will fall off of it but it will maintain its acidity and that acidity is what pairs so well with seafood even you know we've taken when we've uh gotten some uh some wine, some rosé wine. I used to take it and take cheap rosé wine and turn it into vinegar to make a rosé vinaigrette to go on a salad or to go to mm. dress to make a mignonette to dress some oysters with and that sort of thing. So it's incredibly versatile. And Tom said it best, it, all food and all wine go together. They were made for yeah. each other. <laughs> for sure. Um, so a red wine could be thrown into a pan with a halibut. Uh, well, you have to have the little special face that it, it looks like a smile, but it's actually a gowl. But you don't know until the, the, the uh, Ben and Joke. We keep Tom for, for amusement here. Okay, so. Well, <laughs> well, you know, we missed, we missed a good one in the last hour. Oh, I thought you were going to go to Halifax, Tom. Uh, no, we, we, we hit that all the time. Yeah, I know. Thank um, heaven. We don't have anyway, to subject something, Jim something to that. that didn't yeah. get, uh, worked out and, yeah uh, well all right so oysters let's go into the tom's wheelhouse oysters tell us about a great preparation for oysters that is simple and divine and gourmet well well i, I don't know if they're uh, what go ahead go ahead go ahead tom i'm letting you take go the to it. on this one again okay here's what happened i walked in 
And uh, I had not seen the restaurant before, and I was in there and checking it out and uh, really got into it. Sat uh, up at the bar and realized that they had more than different one service style of for oysters. So I said, well, give me uh, two of those. And the next time I looked at it, well, I realized that I had enough to do 12. Mm -hmm. And uh, almost all of them different. And I thought, I found uh, Hebedeb. Oh, oh, that's what they used to call that. Mm. And uh, there I was, and uh, finding there are other items on the menu that were just as good. And uh, I've really been moved by that place from, yeah. uh, from the get-go to today. It's pretty good. That's why we have him on, because it's really, really good. Yeah. I, anyway. We better say the name, because then people will Trinas. know. Trinas. Trinas. T-R-E-N-A-S-S-E. Yes. yes. Okay, so give us a gourmet recipe that you, that Tom might have had at the restaurant, which is simple that a person could do at home. Well, thank you very much for uh, for talking about Trinas and uh, giving us um, our, our staff and our team that's worked very hard over the years to uh, to make it what it is. I appreciate that uh, very much. And we so look forward to getting back. Uh, I know the. The oyster, Louisiana oysters right now are so good um, that if you have the opportunity to go get some and keep some at the house, pop them and get a bottle of, as you were saying earlier, a little white wine, um, or, uh, many different white wines go very well with oysters. So your simple preparation, and <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want you to think it's my favorite thing, but I'll tell you one of my favorite oyster preparations there. And I know Tom has eaten this one, and I know it is one of his, um, are the the smoked cheese and our house-made bacon. And we actually take Gruyere and smoke it, and we take uh, we make and cure our own bacon, and we take it and get it crisp. And then we take a little horseradish and lemon and, uh, and champagne and shallot and whip it into a butter. So we take the mm. butter put it in a mixer, we whip it, we add the fresh shallots and parsley and, uh, and champagne and, um, and a little bit of horseradish and a little bit of lemon. So we have this lemony horseradish wine butter and we put it on the oysters and we put the, uh, the crispy bacon and a little bit of that smoked gruyere and bake it. And there's no, there's no way to say that that's not, uh, um, just a really, really great oyster. Yeah, and, and once you put the uh, bacon in, you've got a no-brainer there. So let me That's see if exactly I got this right. straight. For this simple yeah. oyster recipe, first, I'm going to cure my own bacon. <laughs> no, you can go to the store. Why not? It's not that hard. <laughs> and then I'm going to smoke my own cheese. Okay. Anyway, I just no, got it. I really could. You could you could smoke your own uh, bacon without any problem at all, and it'll come out better than what you're used to. I'm eating. just playing with him. That sounds divine, though. That really sounds great. Um, we'll have and to. And I think my other favorite that we normally serve uh, for the oyster festival, which I so hope um, will return this year, because uh, it's so much fun. Uh, but we normally do because everybody, you know, we know the, the big favorites that do their grilled oysters. We do ceviche oysters. So we take um, our fish and we use a little bit of shrimp in it because I think the shrimp sweeten, sweetens it. And we make our fresh ceviche and we top our raw oysters with that ceviche. And you get 
and there's some wine in that as well. And you get the acidity from the citric acid of the ceviche and all the peppers and onions and seafood flavors that come together on top of that Roy oyster is one of my favorites as well. Oh man, this sounds good. Sounds so good. Okay. We're going to keep you another 15, take another break though. When we come back, I want to talk about capers, which is one of my favorite things and caper berries and also cooking food. That's where all that comes from. Oh yeah. G-R-N-O-B-L-E. Grenoble, yes. It's in France. France. Uh, they eat those all the time. That's ca- that's capers. It's beautiful, capers. beautiful stuff. Uh, and also um, Worcestershire sauce. And I want to know, um, just for fun, some of your very favorite ingredients besides the chlorophyll. Okay. We'll be back. You're listening to <laughs> WGSO 990. We'll be back with Jim Richard. If you have a question for him, 556-9696. Downtown Covington is home to the English Tea Room, 20 years now. Think Scottish eggs for breakfast, high tea in a truly British setting, scones just like you'd find in Britain. If you can't visit them in Covington, see their tea menu online and order specially blended tea shipped out the next day. But you should visit. Think about a birthday party or a bridal shower there or a high tea. Gift cards are $20 off with a purchase of $100 or $10 with a $50 purchase. The English Tea Room, 734 East Rutland in Covington, EnglishTeaRoom.com. The New Orleans Ice Cream Company offers a true taste of New Orleans in every bite. This is ultra-premium ice cream whose flavors are inspired by everything we love to eat in New Orleans. Twelve specialty flavors like Café au lait and beignets, Bananas Foster, Creole Cream Cheese, Punchatula Strawberry, Coffee and Chicory, and Chocolate City. Remember that? Don't miss the po'boy ice cream sandwich, New Orleans Ice Cream, at stores all around town. See all our products at NewOrleansIceCream.com. Mimi's is the best restaurant that has ever been in St. Bernard Parish. A magic combination of terrific owner, hospitality, and talented chef, combined with a charming atmosphere to offer you a great dining experience. Don't miss oysters here. They have two or three different kinds, all wonderful. A terrific burger, if you must. Great steaks, too. Thursday is steak night. Mimi's 712 Judge Perez in Chalmette, 644-4992. Mimi'sBarAndGrill.com. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. Love that. Love that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yes. I'll have to bring them next time. Okay, so um, capers. Do you like capers? I love I do. capers. They're great. Yeah, what, what's the difference in capers? and caper berries. I love them both. They taste the same. But is a caper berry filled with capers? Is that the deal? Uh, almost. Uh, is, is this being grabbed by me or anybody else? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, what you have, if you have a, a, a caper, caper uh, would be as it comes up out of the bush. It's a bush. It's- Oh, I thought and it was part of a flower. No, it works its way there, but it starts out as a oh, that's bush, so yeah, and it's okay. very tiny, and it, it ripens like like bushes do, mm-hmm. like the uh, cherries and you know mm-hmm. all the things. That, mm-hmm. And they grow just mm-hmm. like uh, the cherries grow, and they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they reach a point where they bloom, mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. It's not a flower, but it is an opening and it looks like a bloom. Mm -hmm. And at that point, most the uh, Grenoble people, the, mm -hmm. those who most like it mm -hmm. in France, they'll take that and then let it completely finish mm -hmm. ripening, which it does fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And then it's used to marinate it, uh, to use it as a sauce, to uh, wouldn't eat them one at a time, but you do get all of those different sizes. But they have to be cured, don't they? And then that's where the salt and all they, comes in? They do if you want them to have any taste at all. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. You, if you just try to do it without that. Yeah. And so uh, you've got this thing uh, over there and it has uh, marinated all the way through and they are left with uh, this little thing that looks like a small olive. Yeah. That's the uh, the caperberry, uh, caper mm -hmm. yeah. which you can use as in a cocktail. Those are delish. Those yeah, are you can. Uh, yeah, they're really yeah. nice. Not many people uh, know about no, it. No, I love them. Uh, in Europe, they know them very, very yeah. well, and they use them constantly. Do you use caper berries much, Jim? Uh, Jim, actually, mainly in cocktails, but mm -hmm. I will use them if I am absent capers. Um. Mm -hmm. I don't typically design dishes around a caper berry, though, but a, a caper, um, again, don't know if I design a dish around it, but I love the flavor of them. Again, they're versatile, and, and we talked about uh, the traditional piccata um, that is a wine and, a, and, you know, goes on veal, and many people use it on chicken, but is also extremely lovely, lovely on fish as well. Um, yeah, my favorite thing to do with capers is actually to take them and you can fry them in olive oil hmm. and you take them out and fry them and drain them and they become very crisp and they hmm. make a just a excellent garnish or addition to a salad or to a fish dish and they have a nice little crispy texture they almost they crisp and and melt in your mouth they're so delicious Okay, I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to, I'm so proud of myself for my wine addition to seafood. I'm now going to fry some uh, capers and put those and just further kick up my seafood uh, saute, and I'm, I'm just going to be thrilled to do that, and then I'll be so impressed with myself. What about uh, Worcestershire sauce with seafood? Do you like that? Well, well if you like the kind of the same idea as capers except not using little balls they're they're using little what look like fish little short fish yeah and is this a trick question yes <laughs> i is. had a feeling it is <laughs> okay um so if you wanted to if you wanted to leave us jim with um the recipe for the oysters was maybe a little advanced something a little less um less ingredients for someone who's just, you know, just trying to be a little bit better than what they were. Because, I mean, you know, you want us to come out to Trinas and get those oysters with the cured bacon. So sure. something, something a little simpler for people. Something a little simpler? I would take, do you want to fry capers or do you want simpler than that? <laughs> no, fried capers is uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna going, try that. Uh, the fried I'm capers to, is happening uh, in this house sometime this week. I'll tell you that. If you're doing I'm, oysters, if you want some oysters, now I will say, uh, 
before all this happened, I was actually over at uh, the Whistle Monster's house, and they were char-grilling oysters and had the butter with the seasoning and the breadcrumbs in it in the the um, uh, the barbecue mallet, you know, with the, the brush and brushing them, and they were unbelievable. But to make it a little easier, I'll give you this. You take a little bit of, just take that, a little bit of whole butter and let it soften and whip in some shallot or garlic and whip in a, some fresh lemon and a little bit of horseradish and a little bit of a little of that white wine you have laying around <laughs> and whip that together with some parsley and just put a dab of that on top of your oyster and pop it in your broiler and let it just plump up. Don't cook it all the way. Just let it get plump and let the, you can see the juices starting to marry and don't burn your mouth, but slop, eat that. And that'll, uh, that'll make okay, you real We're going to have that in nomenu.com tomorrow. That sounds delicious. I'm really excited to try that. When you're and at a home. a nice little bouveret or something, uh, you know, a nice dry wine goes really well with it. If we don't finish it, we'll put it on the counter and do that with the next, the next recipe. So um, when you've been at home cooking, and if you're just left to your own devices, what are you going to cook, or what have you been cooking? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty frugal chef, so I typically go, and if I'm cooking for the family, I go and I see what looks the best. And if it's if it's seafood, I'm going to pick whatever fish looks the freshest or if i'm going into the beef or pork or veal if i you know if i can't find what i want i usually go to the lamb chops and i love those little lamb loin chops those little little baby t-bones and i rub those down with a little bit of fresh garlic and a little bit of mustard and let them sit for about an hour and sear mm -hmm. them in a pan and do that same thing some fresh lemon and parsley and a little little splash of stock and uh can't beat that. That sounds great. Gosh, these these all sound great. <laughs> I, mean, I want to try all of these things. Um, do you have? I, I assume that you have kids. Are they gourmets too? Do they like that kind of thing? Fortunately, they do, and they all have uh, they all have grown up eating well, and uh, and so they are all very excited to see what I cook because I don't normally cook the same dish over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of things that happen that way, but again, I'll go and, and see what's there. And I'm great as a chef. I don't like wasting stuff. So I'll take, uh, you know, whatever is in the refrigerator and I'll make something great out of it so that we don't waste product at the house is, uh, kind Agreed. of funny. It's uh, a little bit of a joke in the house, but that's kind of how I, how I do it. <laughs> That's me. I have to repurpose everything. So if you were cooking something just like, I mean, it sounds to me like everything you cook is really something you would eat in a restaurant. I mean, it sounds really gourmet at your house. Do you ever do anything just sort of comfort foodie, you know, down home kind of thing? Absolutely. Yes. It, and it's not uh, even... I've said it a couple of times, the word technique, and it doesn't really matter what you're doing. It's those little techniques and perfecting those techniques that you can apply in different places with different foods that make it taste great. It's the way you use parsley. It's 
you know, not putting it in too early and cooking it so it's gone and brown and tastes grassy. It's using it for its brightness at the end of a dish or in a salad. Um, uh-huh. But yes, I I do. I'll uh, I love to grill, and so I'll you know I'll not mess the kitchen up and I'll grill and do a couple of courses just on the grill with you know roasted vegetables on the grill and marinated chicken and for some reason I can't ever just cook one thing it's always got to be a couple of things I want to come so, to your house and eat <laughs> <laughs> there's always there's always leftovers and spinning and working in the restaurants I'm always leaving something behind in case I don't make it home for dinner and you know they've got to fend for themselves there's always something in there it sounds absolutely delicious. I am so glad that you joined us, and uh, I really appreciate your your tips. I will be using a lot of these because um, they sound really good, especially the ones that you started with, which is the the toasting of the spices. I've never heard mm. that before, but it makes total. We ought sense. to have that for every meal. It makes total sense. Yeah, and I I'm now um, I'm I'm now excited to use all of my wines, and I. Mm. <laughs> I may it. just pour them all into one bottle and just go with that. You know what my address is? Yes. Pour <clears> the wine, saying. I mean. What's that? <clears throat> huh? What's that? Well, I I don't know. I'm just trying to make sure that the wine is there. It's there, believe me. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate it. We, uh, we will definitely call you back if you want to talk to us again because we'd love to have you back. Thank you. It was my pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you in the city very soon. Everyone in Trinas. Do you have any? Do you have a date on that? I mean, is there any plan to open Trinas again? We are. The plan is a little bit loose. We are following hotel management guidelines, and mm-hmm. they are looking for uh, some occupancy to come yeah. back in the CBD. We have, you know, some business travel, but we're really dependent upon tourists, you know, and and convention trades. So we're waiting for them to hit their levels of uh, occupancy that will trigger them to open up their food and beverage and we will follow suit. I see, okay. In the meantime, you can visit them out at Stinky's Fish Camp and the Redfish Tacos in, is it on 30A? Are you on 30A? Yes, both restaurants are in 30, on 30A 30 okay. in Santa Rosa okay. Beach. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank it, Jim. You. See you again Jim Richard with the Word of Mouth Restaurant Group. Stinky's Fish Camp is the flagship on 30A in Florida, but they have Trinas, which is a restaurant we dearly love here. And uh, I guess they just must do mostly tourist business because they're in the Hyatt. But, um, you locals know, we're, we're locals and we love going there for sure. A lot of people sure. are and, down and in town. We, we miss it a lot. Anyway, good good stuff. Good little tips from him. Thank you. We were listening to the food show, Tom and Mary Ann Fitzmorris. Uh-huh. We will come back and talk about the vintage Tom, which is Lentfins. And uh, that'll be fun because there's a lot to say about Lentfins. So stay tuned and come back with us at the bottom of the hour. Time, right. time now for the news there. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Matt Doyle. Tropical Storm Bertha's formation off the coast of South Carolina today makes it two named storms so far this year before the start of the official hurricane season June 1st. This is the third time since 2012 we've had two named storms form before the season started, so what's behind the recent trend? It could be just dumb luck, it could be climate change, or it could be better monitoring. And and of those three choices, I, I shrug my shoulders and say I have no idea. 
That's state climatologist Barry Kime, who says those years ended with above-average activity. And a House committee approves legislation terminating lawsuits filed by local governments against the oil and gas industry for alleged coastal damage. Former state senator and current director of the Port of Iberia, Craig Romero, says the lawsuits are a big problem for the industry. Nobody's going to go and drill a well in coastal Louisiana when the government is telling you, we're going to sue you for things that you did maybe 40, 50, 60 years ago. Opponents say if the industry didn't want to get sued, they shouldn't have polluted the state's coast. LouisianaRadioNetwork.com News, I'm Matt Doyle reporting. Hey, it's me, Gus the Gopher for Atmos Energy. Being a gopher, I like to dig. That's what us gophers were born to do, along with eating plants, taunting groundskeepers, and listening to bluegrass music. And I especially enjoy digging around the yard. Occasionally, I bump into a utility line and I get a headache. Ouch! After all, they're hard to miss since they can be buried anywhere. But if you hit one with your shovel, backhoe, or ditch digger, you could cause a gas leak, disrupt service, or worse. Makes me shaking my paws just thinking about it. You can avoid all of this by calling 811 at least three business days before you or someone else digs in your yard to have those underground utility-owned lines marked. Calling 811 will help protect your property, and more importantly, you. It's free, and it's the law. You dig what I'm saying? For more on safe digging, visit atmosenergy.com slash 811. Care Restaurant and Supply has reopened for you to come in and shop. Care has all the wipes, gloves, and sanitizing supplies that you may need, and face masks. They have a great selection of takeout containers, too. Call Billy to help you plan the renovation of your kitchen or dining room. Home cooks will find a great selection of kitchen tools, too. Hours are 8 to 4 weekdays right now. Buy local. Our city depends on it. Care, hotel, and restaurant supply. Call 482-0294, 4815 Conti Street. Casa Garcia is tucked into a shopping center where Metairie turns to Kenner. Octavio Garcia has been welcoming people in to enjoy the flavors of his homeland since 1984. Try the seafood sampler, seafood nachos, or a 14-ounce grilled pork chop. Octavio's mother, Sarita's tamales, are on the menu, but I'll stick to her delicious flan. Casa Garcia, 8814 Veterans Boulevard, Metairie, 4640854. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are never what they seem. They never are, are they? You're listening to The Food Show. Tom and Marianne Fitzmorris here. If you would like to chat with us, the phone number is 556-9696. He was so interesting. Jim Richard was really, really interesting, and I can't wait to try some of those things that he said. I have to get that recipe, uh, the one that he about the oysters and the brushing the mustard on them. That sounds really, really good. Anyway, if you would like to chat with us, we are going to be talking about Lentfence. Tom, do you ah, remember Lentfence? I do. And uh, it's one that's been gone long enough that I don't think too many people remember it. Uh, so some of them do. If you're older, you probably have picked it up uh, from there. Uh, the part of it that most people remember most is when it was just outside the um, the, the uh, what? How how shall I put it? Was, it was right out. It's right out. It's by the cemetery. So by the talking. cemetery, right in the midst <laughs> of the cemetery. And that'll uh, take your uh, 
breath away. Attention yeah. Is, is you said we have a caller, Ron. I mean, is it Ron the gourmet waiter? Hmm? Yes, Ron the gourmet waiter. Oh. Hello, Ron. Checking Ron in. Is Hi. Here? Good afternoon. Gosh, that was that. a great, uh, great guest, uh, Jim from Tranas. Isn't he That's a fantastic fabulous? Too. Yes, yeah, great absolutely. restaurant. Yeah, super. Um, now, Ron, you are a gourmet cook. So, did you learn anything from that? Uh, I did actually. I've never fried um, the item that you were talking about. Uh, what were you talking about? Oh, uh, little green the guys. capers, um, fried capers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah did, I've never fried capers, you... but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it because I think that there's a couple of things I could do with that. Uh, my first thought is I'm actually gonna fry the capers, okay? And then I'm gonna take yeah. them out, and now they're kind of hard and fried, and I'm probably gonna pound them out. And then put them with a little bit of flour, maybe a little bit of breadcrumb, and I'm going to coat something like maybe a shrimp. Mm -hmm. I don't so, know if I know. would eat shrimp and capers together. Do you like shrimp mm, and capers? Delicious. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I don't even know if yeah. I've ever had that. Uh, a lot of people haven't. A lot of people haven't had capers to begin with. Yeah, but uh, if but you haven't, have go get some because they're divine. They have a distinct it's, little flavor. Salt, uh, and, primarily. <laughs> and if you don't like them, you won't have to eat more of them because they only give you a few of them. And if you don't well, like them. Well, that's because they're a strong flavor. They're a very strong flavor. They, have a, yeah. they make a big statement. Yeah. 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 Have, now, you ever, uh, have you ever done that toasting of the spices? I've not done that. No, I've never yeah. heard of that, but I like the idea. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was really good. Prudhomme um, was real big on toasting the spices earlier in his cooking. In other words, when he's making a dish and he's got his pan and he, he would toast the herbs and then he would actually add some more of the same herbs later in the dish, claiming that you now have uh, two spice levels when in reality it was the same spices. Hmm. I could okay. see that. What I'd, like, what I'd like to do, if it's okay, is attempt to make the wine portion easier for uh, our guests, okay? Um, I worked at Orleans Grapevine, and I learned quite a bit about wine. And I've got pretty much kind of four simple rules, okay? If you're cooking with wine, you're probably going to be drinking a little bit of that wine with the dish. On your seafood, okay, what I'm going to do, unless I'm doing a heavy cream sauce, on seafood, because it's such a delicate flavor, I'm going to use my drier wines, which is my Vouvray's, uh, my Gavis from Italy, and most importantly, my Sauvignon Blancs. These are drier wines that don't have as much fruit or residual sugar. This is going to allow you to taste the seafood more, okay? If I'm moving into a seafood dish, a fish or a seafood dish, that actually is going to have a lot of cheese or maybe a cream sauce. I need a wine that can actually stand up to it and has more acid in it so that the acid can burst through the cream sauce that's coating your taste buds. This is where your Chardonnay comes in. On my red wines, I'm going to use a lighter wine, like a Pinot Noir, on my lighter red meats. Okay. Now, when I get to something like a steak, especially a steak with pepper, I need a bold red wine that can stand up to it. On a steak, a Pinot Noir is going to almost taste watery because the steak has so much beef flavor and that cracked black pepper. There's just so much going on there. A Pinot Noir is going to be a little too light. So I'm looking for something like a Cabernet 
something that has a little uh, boulder to stand up. Have you ever tried using pineapple? <laughs> I grow pineapple. I'm serious. <laughs> yes. I grow pineapple with a lot of I'm, things. I'm sure he has. Yes. Yeah. Grilled pineapple's fantastic. I've even made sauces out of it. Oh, really? There you go. See, I told you. I take yeah, what pineapple else? and I cut it up into tiny little pieces and uh, integrate that into the uh, sauce. Anyway, on seafood, lighter wines. I've got a cream sauce, heavier white wines. On a lighter piece of red meat, I'm going to use a lighter wine. And a, like I said, on something really heavy, like a double-cut pork chop or maybe a big filet or a or ribeye, you got to have a wine like a Cabernet that's got more jamminess in it that can actually stand up to it. It's not going to, you're not going to think you're drinking a wine that's too light. Does that make sense? I'm still focusing on jamminess. What is that? Uh, it's the grapiness, the, the, the jam okay. flavor. The fruit, a, a the fruit. Noir, okay. A lighter wine. Yeah, okay. Uh -huh. Okay. Yes, it does make sense. Of sure course. It does. Everything I mean, you say the, makes sense. Yeah, right? I mean, the, par, uh, the, the, the pineapple. Uh, by the way, we still are looking for the name of the chef, of the dish that this is. Oh, made from Gambril, yeah, ananas, uh, ananas, and then I can add something. The final word, it's French, is flamed, and that's what it means. This is mm -hmm. uh, uh, these are pineapple that have flamed been flamed. Pineapples. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, the chef uh, was always giving me grief about it as being a really ridiculous. <laughs> I did, and I pointed out to him that if you were to go to, let's say, Antoine's and have uh -huh. <clears throat> the um, the cherries, yeah, cherries jubilee that they again, flame yeah. right on the uh -huh. table, and the, all the other dishes that are flamed right on the table, yeah. nobody thinks a thing about that. Just go ahead and do it right out of the book. Why not? In, so, so in, okay. In closing, on my call, if it's okay, could I get Tom to one more time use his French accent? And tell me what the name of that cherry flame dish is. <laughs> Please, oh, Tom, go ahead. Everybody knows it's Chafan and Sintabanzaga. Flan. They like flan as well. Great. You never know what that's called. Great your first half hour. Jim was fantastic, and Trinas is a dynamite restaurant. It is. I miss it. I hope it comes back soon. All right, take care. One time he told me... They told me they had three people in the hotel one night, and that's when they decided, uh, don't, we're going to close for a while. So, anyway, thanks for calling, Ron. 556 9696, if you would like to chat with us. We have not really blathered, because Jim was definitely not blathering. He was really, really a great interview. And uh, I am so excited about what? some of the stuff that what, he did. Did we get rid of him or something? Yes, he's. <laughs> What? I haven't heard that. Who says that? Anyway, this is a guy I, is... I kind of worked him up to the top. Yeah, you and did. now you tell me he's gone. He's sit wallowing. He's off, in... he's off frying his capers for the next <laughs> shift. Yes, at his house. His that. house sounds incredibly gourmet. I mean, I uh, I'm I'm so impressed. But um, I would like to I would like to try like a few of those things that he was talking about. Anyway, that was Jim Richard. Yes. From Trinas. And when Trinas reopens, you can go and have some of that food. 
and uh, we're gonna we're gonna put out a recipe tomorrow in nomenu.com. So, but it will not be the one where you have to first smoke your uh, cure your own bacon. We're gonna we're gonna do a little yeah, simpler I, than I that we'll one. Have to insist a little on bit that. simpler than that one. And I I credit him with being the first and probably only person to ever refer to chlorophyll on the food show. I'm I'm still chuckling about that. But I had no idea that parsley could be quite that. Um, quite that important an item. I never looked at it that way, but you know, it's like when you're a chef, you, you know, these things and people don't know them. And that's why I asked these chefs to come on. Mm -hmm. Anyway, five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six, uh, Peter Sclafani's on tomorrow, by the way, oh, and no Frank kidding. Brightson after that. So it's a good, Even it's a better. good ask the chef series this week. Uh, we are talking about lentfins, or sort of talking about lentfins. Tom, what do you have to say about lentfins? I know a lot because you lentfins was kind of a big player in its day. Well, I'm I'm a little too young uh, for uh, me to have known the the golden era where they of had lentfins? the ion the 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 um, the you know they, they had these neon uh, yeah. signs that had uh, the, the funny thing to me was that they had a lobster. It was a quite lobster. an interesting place. It was a lobster uh -huh. made out of neon. Yeah. And right on the front of the- He was kind of dressed up too, wasn't he? And, uh, and he was, but the the uh, the lobsters had you topped mm -hmm. because the, not only that, the- Yeah, they were dressed up, right? They were, they yeah. were in tuxedo. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's right, Actually, they were, yeah. Yeah, they were. And so I figured you're <laughs> fighting it out with a, a- A lobster in a tuxedo. A lobster yeah. in a tuxedo. Yeah, how'd they ever get so, them like that, I wonder. So uh, Tom, um, I, don't I did not know until I read your piece today, The Vintage Tom, uh, I did not know that the uh, Court of Two Sisters bought Linfitz. Oh, is that right? Was that me? Was it's that news was, to me. Was that? Was that? No, are you serious? Yes, Tom was in your. It was in your piece from nineteen what oh, seventy seven oh, oh, or oh, something. Oh, oh. This yeah. is a long time ago. But Lenfin's closed. Let's see. I was around in your life, so it would have been. It probably would have been the early nineties that it closed, or maybe late nineties even. But it was a little bit further on, and it got to be that the family that put together the, uh, 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 all those restaurants that uh, it was uh, Broussard's for a while. Uh huh. And there was there were two or three of them. Well, wait a second. You have in your vintage piece that the Court of Two Sisters uh -huh. had it. And I was they surprised did. to hear that. That's, so that's true. Yeah. Well, what what era was that? What years? This would have this would, would have happened uh, late sixties, uh, maybe uh, early. 70s. Okay. So then, well, then who bought Lentfins from them? These were the people who bought it. Who closed Lentfins? Who was the who was uh, the last the, the, person? Well, you you mentioned to the, turn out the lights at Lentfins. Well, you mentioned it, it. You know what it would have been ultimately was the. Um, the Broussards group, which is the same as the, uh, we're uh, talking about I local know. local Italian restaurateurs who have been doing things for a long time. Yeah, they had the place out on uh, uh, on uh, not the Elmwood Plantation. People. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So that that's Joe. Um, yeah. Uh huh. Uh, there's so many people involved in this. I can't keep it yeah, all straight. Yeah. Okay. But well, the, that was those were the last. Uh, those they, were the last. Marcello. Marcello. No, the Marcellos were there, and then there was another bunch 
Actually, the Marcellos showed up. Were twice. they the last ones? To uh, own it? Well, according to this, um, and this goes back to 1977. So the because the the piece is titled Joe Fines Lenfants. There you go. So does anybody remember Joe Fines Lenfants? Does anyone remember well. the era of the Fines of the Quarter Two Sisters when they had Lenfants? I did not know this. Anyway, we'll be back. We're going to take a little break. You're listening to WGSO 990. The phone number is 556-9696. If you want to call us and talk about Lenfants, just 15 minutes left of the show. Ever since the lockdown began, food delivery has risen to a place of high prominence. Our dog wants his treats delivered to him as he stares at us. Even Tom has conceded that gourmet food can still be delicious after it has been delivered to your door. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. Regardless of what happens next, delivery of food is here to stay. Do it with a local company. Do it a lot cheaper than the big guys, Delivery Nola. They deliver everyone who is anyone. Download the app. Go to DeliveryNola.com. That's D-L-I-V-E-R-Y Nola.com. Hello, hello. Daniel, the gourmet cellist here. I'm big into coffee, and I've got Parrish Coffee keeping me company in lockdown. This is a great breakfast brew. I guess that's why they say wake up to perish. But it remains consistent throughout the day, robust yet mellow at the same time. I love this luxurious coffee, and I can't believe the price. With no idea how long we'll be locked down, it's a good thing I can order it online at parishcoffee.com. See the full lineup there and hashtag wake up to perish. Casa Garcia is tucked into a shopping center where Metairie turns to Kenner. Octavio Garcia has been welcoming people in to enjoy the flavors of his homeland since 1984. Try the seafood sampler, seafood nachos, or a 14-ounce grilled pork chop. Octavio's mother, Sarita's tamales, are on the menu, but I'll stick to her delicious flan. Casa Garcia, 8814 Veterans Boulevard, Metairie. 4640854 I'll take Manhattan the Bronx and Staten Island too Oh boy it's the food show Tom and Marianne Fitzmorris here yeah. I think we're back to <clears throat> blathering now that Jim Richard and Ron the Gourmet waiter is uh, they're both gone Um Tom, today in I'm looking. I'm just looking to see if there's anything fun left in your almanac too Nothing in the last fun. 15 minutes. No, this, the almanac oh. is super fun. Oh. It's, it's super super fun. Anybody want to talk about Joe Fine's Lenfins though? I would love to hear some more about that because um, I did not know that the Cordeaux sisters people at one time had Lenfins, and uh, there's so much to say about Lenfins. It was such a big player in the uh in the dining scene back in the day and i'm not even sure what day that was so the walt disney cartoon three little pigs was released on this date in 1933 the first barbecue restaurant in our area was called three little pigs of america it was on it was williams in boulevard in kenner and was just about the only place in the 70s that did barbecue well I'll bet you that barbecue is a whole lot different from the barbecue of today, for sure. I'm sure of that, too. But the uh, the first place I ever saw it was, in of all places, the Richard Collins... Uh, Underground Gourmet. Underground Gourmet. And we circle back to Rich. It's like Richard Collins is, is almost Ghost the thereof. patron of the food show. He hovers above the food show. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Well, he's your he's your he's he's your mentor, your you know your icon. Anyway, so um, the three little pigs, Tom. What was that like? Did you go in there? I mean, you obviously had because oh. you said that it no, was I good barbecue. Did. I never did. Oh well. <laughs> I was uh, that, <laughs> well. Then why was, did you say that they did barbecue well? Because first of all, well, I would imagine that if you Richard were writing, Collin liked it. oh, that's okay, well, that's that's good that enough for us. That's yeah. good enough for us. So you got that because I can't imagine you going to a barbecue restaurant in the seventies. I can't imagine you eating barbecue at all. No, I, I mean I, we I, make I, you eat barbecue here, but that's I just because we're barbecue fiends. You hadn't made the jump to barbecue. You were still no. in your in your gourmet is the my, only way to go phase. My mother and. Uh, that's it. My mother yeah. used to make barbecue uh, pretty Yeah, but, but barbecue back then is not the barbecue of today. No, it isn't. I mean, making barbecue that back then was probably you take some meat, you put some some sweet barbecue sauce on it, and there it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, the central uh, headquarters of Time Saver was right in the middle of what used to be the, uh, the, the, the place in... Uh, a barbecue place? Barbecue, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I have to say about the three little pigs? First of all, I love this story. But this is really, you know, I shouldn't even admit this on the air, but it is a funny story. Um, you know, I was one of seven kids, so my parents couldn't really pay a lot of attention to what any one of us were doing. And I was not the best student because, well, school was horribly boring to me. So I didn't really do my homework very much. And I got really behind on some book reports. Do you remember book reports? Mm -hmm. I never yeah. did them, strangely <laughs> oh, enough. Oh, you never did them either? Never. <laughs> well, wait Just a second. How did, you manage, said, how did you manage well, to get away with it? Because I didn't do them either. Sneaky. I mean, book reports were kind of, they were worth it doing, but, you know, nobody wanted to do them. And then, of course, the, the good students did well, you, them and people like us didn't. All you had to do was work out what the answer, answers to the questions are, well, find out what those are, check them out with your encyclopedia, come back, and then start on in. Everything was taken care of. <laughs> I, have two, I have two book report stories, both of which are horrifying. Mm -hmm. So one day... It, it was time to pay to the piper, and I was behind like six book reports. <laughs> and so I did them on things like the three pigs. It was, yeah, it was horrifying. I, I actually turned in book reports on stories like that. The, the three pigs was one of them. And the other one was Pride and Prejudice, which is absolutely my all-time favorite story of all time. But I remember when I was in high school, was, we were supposed was, to read Pride and that, Prejudice. That was either on a, in a movie recently <laughs> the teacher, or... The teacher was so kind to me. She could have really roasted me on a spit like one of the three little pigs. But um, I, I read half... I read the beginning of the book. And then it was time to do the book report. And I did the book report based on the beginning of the book where Elizabeth hates Mr. Darcy... And then I turned it in on that, but of course everyone knows that she winds up marrying Mr. Darcy. And so the teacher was very gracious when she critiqued the book report and she said, did you read till the end of the book? That was all she said about it. And so then I had to go back and read the book and I've been smitten with that story ever since. Yeah, this is all the girls have been. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, what can you say? Jane Austen is a, she's the ultimate chick writer, you know? Anyway, uh, one of your words to eat by, that was nothing to do with food, of course, but just fun little stories. So this is really good, Tom. This is someone named Mary Hayes Greco. 
She's an inspirational mm. writer. She's your words to eat by today. And it's, it's poetic. She's writing about red onions and it's poetic. It's words to eat by red onions are especially divine. I hold a slice up to the sunlight pouring in through the kitchen window and it glows like a fine piece of antique glass. Cool, watery white with layers delicately edged with imperial purple. Strong, humble, peaceful with that fiery nub of spring green in the center. Yeah. Have you uh, ever have you ever heard of a purple onion <laughs> that you're going to chop up and throw in something be described in such poetic terms? No, but uh, I sure wish we'd see more of it. I mean, she's an inspirational writer. She's inspired me to take another look at a purple onion. I'll tell you that. Anyway, today you uh, also have in your people you would like to have dinner with. Former Secretary of State and Nixon Associate Henry Kissinger was born today in 1923. In addition to being one of the mm. most influential people in the <laughs> world in the 70s, he was a man about town, always at the best parties and in the best restaurants. Who? A Henry Kissinger. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. He was big time. Yeah. Accompanied by the most important people with whom he socialized as much as he dealt with. Yes, it's funny because I seem to always remember seeing him pictured in a tuxedo. Chinese leader Deng Xiaoping, I can't even say that, Xiaoping once took him out for a Mongolian hot pot in a restaurant. It is not often done by Chinese leaders to invite guests to a restaurant, said Kissinger, implying that Den took him up as a friend. If we could be at Kissinger's table, this is quoting you, if you could be at Kissinger's table, you would hope that he wouldn't talk about politics throughout the meal. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's true. Uh, your food in dance. Tom, you just have such an interesting almanac today. I want to get to a few more things. Uh, food in dance. Isadora Duncan who created the idea of interpretive dance with her involved choreograph, choreographies, was born today in 1878. A restaurant here was named for her and featured a painting of her driving a car with a flowing scarf whipping around out the window. Do you remember this, writing this, Tom? No which is how she died. The scarf got caught in a wheel. Ugh. There's some macabre things in your almanac. Yes, her scarf that was in the painting in the, got caught in the wheel, yeah, I guess, a, of there's her a, there's car. There's a restaurant here. Yeah, it was. It's gone? It's long gone, it's and, the, and uh, also the place that replaced it is also long gone. Oh. Allegro Bistro in the yeah. Entergy building yeah, replaced it, and, it, and that good. one is closed now too. Which one, Allegro or Isadora Duncan? Uh, Which one was Isadora. good? Isadora. Because Allegro was good. And uh, uh, the guy who owned the place. Isadora Duncan or Allegro? I think he, he did both of them. Oh, Ron Willman was the owner of Isidore Duncan as well? Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. you know, he passed away earlier I this didn't year. Know that. Yes, he did. He passed yeah. away earlier nice this year. Guy. Very nice guy and had Very the good best, Very good chef too. best pasta recipe ever, and I think. It? it was, uh, you have it, I think, in your cookbook. I it's, think I do. It's um, a tricolor pasta. We had it at. 
<laughs> Do you remember that fundraiser we went to at, oh, let's see, these were famous people. They were the Mintzes from Hurwitz Mintz. Mm. And there was this, they, they had this right great, the they had this great like mansion, 60s, 70-ish kind of mansion on the corner of Fillmore and some other street by the, by the canal that breached in Katrina and the whole thing was flooded. Um, maybe, maybe the, is there a Duncan canal? No. Yeah, um, there is a Duncan. Is there? Okay, it's funny coincidence with Isadora Duncan. Anyway, uh, it was a um, it was a uh, croquet. It was called something in croquet, and um, and he ha he was there catering it, mm. and he had a pasta salad that I'll never forget, and it involved little Smokies, but it was really, mm. it was really really good. Anyway, as I said, we just you know babble on about food but the show is over believe it or mm. not tom we have we have done two hours Our of this program? already yes oh. tomorrow we have uh we have peter scalfani so don't miss that long time uh, restaurateur he's Frank not Wright's here now he's here in that's on friday but anyway uh want to cross promote now go to nomenu.com nomenu.com has all kinds of good stuff in it also the podcasts for this show and uh, we have an Instagram you might want to have a look at. It's called at the New Orleans menu. Mm -hmm. And let's see. Oh, yes. I want to promote my own thing, my own little Emmy the Story Lady, which is a retelling of Grimm's fairy mm -hmm. tales yeah. on Anchor. Emmy, E-M-M-I-E, oh, the Story Lady. Stay tuned for the Wine, Dine, and Spirits show with Tim McNally, which follows this one. And that's a wrap for us. Thank All you right. very much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to WGSO New Orleans, 4 o'clock. Anytime, anywhere. Smartphone, tune in radio app, WGSO.com. On the AM dial at 990, we are WGSO New Orleans minutes before the scheduled launch due to inclement weather. The launch has been rescheduled for Saturday. Former NASA astronaut Tom Jones on why launching at the scheduled time is key. Launches to the space station 